0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the five star novel What Can't Be Hidden by Brandon Andrus. When a stranger is captured in the nearby forest of the isolated and restrictive community of Patrita, a dark, hidden secret is revealed. The Patridian people discover that there are others living on the island. While panic and fear consume the town, Thura clandestinely befriends the stranger who gives her hope for escaping the only life she's ever known and finding something she has never experienced before, freedom. What can't be hidden is right on time for this moment. It is a stunning and universal portrayal of a people awakening and coming to terms with the systems that have promised to give them peace and freedom while discovering that these virtues can only come from within. What can't be hidden is available everywhere online.
1: Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. welcome back, everybody! It is another episode of your ninth favorite show, Apostates Anonymous. I am one of your hosts, Matthew J. Distefano. I'm joined here, as always, by some guy with a podcast, aka Keith Giles, aka the the master debater. And we are we're here. Are you are you excited for another show, Keith? It's springtime. Spring is springing. There's blossoms in the air. Mm -hmm. If you're if you have have allergies, I feel for you.
2: Yes. Thankfully my allergies are not kicking in right now, but, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's warming up over here. Actually today I have a guy coming over to, um, turn on my, turn off my heater and turn on my, uh, evaporative you got cooler. A, you yeah, know.
1: How much money are you making? You got a guy that turns on your heater for you.
2: Dude, I'm, I'm a renter. That's how little money I'm making. I'm renting <laughs> and the landlord sends a guy over, um, so, yeah, that, that's happening later today <clears throat> to get my AC. It's not really AC. It's a, it's a swamp cooler. It's a like, swamp cooler. Oh, You know okay. what those are? Where they pump yes, water I know. Yes, I know those through are. the filters and then they suck air through the water and it cools it down. I didn't grow but, up
1: with money. We had a swamp cooler. Okay,
2: okay, yeah. <laughs> the, everybody in El Paso has a, has a swamp cooler because oh, yeah. it's so dry here. Uh-huh. Um, it works really well. Sure. If you're in a if you're in a you know a humid environment, it doesn't do anything, but in a, yeah. in a dry environment, it works pretty good.
1: All right, all right. Well, you uh, what do we have today? Do we have a good topic? I I don't even know. Did we plan this? Um, you had well, you were we, on. A, we never were... planned this.
2: I yes. Uh, uh, no, we never planned that. Like literally. Five minutes before we hit record we're, we're discussing what should we talk about what do you think
1: no we i think we have a good question we have a good question for people and it has to do with propaganda yeah and um, it's a good
2: follow-up from our previous episode right we talked about mind control yeah. and hypnotism and stuff
1: yeah and you were recently on a show that talked about hell as propaganda right yeah or is hell propaganda and the question we'll be answering is if you are unknowingly spreading propaganda are you a propagandist yeah. And so I think that can lead in a lot of different directions. It's a little open ended. We'll get into it yeah. shortly. Um any n- any news and announcements before we get into our sponsor for today?
2: Oh my gosh. Let's see.
1: Any wild things that we want to tell the people about?
2: There's so many things going There's on. There's so
1: many things. Yes. We, ha- we, have, freak out books. we have um if you are a fan of The Call of the Wild, we are having oh. that come out. There's a little delay. Don't 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 fret. It's coming out uh this week it's worth the wait so it's worth, it's the, worth wait.
2: the wait shonda Job wrote, wrote an amazing yeah forward <clears throat>
1: to and the it's a edition. short read i'm i'm actually going to buy it for my daughter and she's going to read it for school okay. it's only like it's under 100 pages yeah so pick up the call of the wild by jack london we are putting that out um karen shock has a book coming out or huh. is i think maybe coming out the, the day this episode drops Get it, um, and people. Then, Seriously, yeah. get that
2: book. I, I'm, I'm going to say something here because Karen, um, she's she's someone I met. She went through my Square One group, um, and uh, through the process of going through that group, uh, that uh, course and community that we put together, she just blossomed. I mean, she she was probably one of the people I've learned the most from. Like, she taught me so much about um, the toxic kind of, uh, worm theology stuff and just how, how horrible it is. And so hearing her stories, I was like, I, it was worse than I had ever imagined it could be. And, uh, but she is, she has survived through that. And part of the ways, part of her healing process has been writing. So she started off just writing. We have a private Facebook group for square one. She started, started off just kind of posting things in the group for the rest of us to read. And it was so beautiful and so powerful. I was like, you got to get a blog. So I helped her get a blog on Pathios. She started blogging on Patheos. Um, started getting a lot of followers, a lot of amazing feedback from people, mostly really women, I think, who, who could really relate to her story. Um, and she has an amazing way that she writes. She's very unique talent, very gifted. And, um, and so she did the blog long enough that she had enough posts. We were like, you know what? You need to write a book. And that's what's coming out this week. So proud of her. So so proud of this book. I cannot wait for people to to um, discover her and her voice. Uh, I'm actually going to be flying out to Fort Wayne, Indiana, for her book release party. So I'm very excited about that to be there to help her celebrate that. Um, so yeah, Karen Shock, too much and not enough. Check out that book. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I uh, I think when you talk about worm theology. When you're a woman, you're hit a lot harder. Yes. So we talk about it from our perspective as men, and we can only talk about it from that perspective, which is why we have to listen to people not like us. Yes. Church, church people, you got to get this in your head. Um, but when you talk about worm theology, you're talking about purity culture. And as men, yes. we can talk about it too. And it's like, okay, don't do that. Don't do not do this. Don't do that. But it's we're expected to. We're expected to be impure. We're expected to fuck up. Women are expected to remain pure. And so when they're confronted with that culture, they're confronted with this theology, it hits them like, uh, it might hit us like a ton of bricks. It hits them like 10 tons of bricks.
2: Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and so that's what kind of, I mean, that's not only this book is about that, but th- that's a huge part of her, what she's talking about. Yeah. And so it's really powerful, I think, from women to women. I think it'll be especially powerful for women.
2: Yes. No, not that, I mean, I, and I'm a man and I loved it. So, not that you have to be. That's <clears throat> not called.
1: I'm a man. I'm a man.
2: <laughs> I'm, technically, I am.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I, I uh, don't it, remember yeah. how to change my oil, so I don't know if that makes me a man anymore.
2: <laughs> That's about all I can do. I think I can change my oil, but I can't do much of anything else. But uh, yeah, so check that out. And um, can I mention that that uh, I'm going to be doing a forward to a book uh, coming up in June? I. I know it's early, but can I say something uh, about that?
1: Yes, I haven't even started on it so you're putting the pressure pressure on me
2: you've got now you got to do it
1: no Um, it yeah announce it fine
2: okay so i wanted to call this the. you are going to call it the big book of dick or the big dick book
1: uh i think the big book of dick is (laughs) i was thinking put the philip k in parentheses so it's the big book of in parentheses philip k K dick Dick.
2: yeah Uh, yeah uh, so yeah, uh, if if you know me at all, you know I'm a huge fan of the science fiction of Philip K. Dick. He's my all time favorite science fiction writer. Um, and in doing this, the Tolkien
1: to your Philip K. Dick. Yes, right? You, you, yes. for you it's
2: Tolkien. For me, it's Philip yes. K. Dick. There you go. And, and I really am. I'm obsessed. I have a whole bookshelf devoted to the, this guy. Yeah. Um, he wrote a ton of books and and lots and lots of short stories. And um, so it turns out a couple of things happened. Kind of like this is the uh, the convergence. Uh, the synergy of the universe. So um, in doing choir classics, you know, what we're doing is l- looking for books and, and, and things that are writings that are in the public domain or out of print. And so it turns out there's something like 25 something short stories um, by Philip K. Dick that are in the public domain. And uh, they're pretty good. I've read through them and looked at them and like, wow, these are great stories. Some of them are even were made into movies. Some of them are basis for novels that he wrote later because that's what he would do. He would develop ideas and short stories and then expand it out into a, a novel form uh, later. So anyway, we're putting that together. But one of the reasons why we're doing it now uh, is that I just got invited to go to San Diego comic-con to speak at a panel about Philip K. Dick. It's the 55th anniversary of the release of his novel, do androids dream of electric sheep, which became the movie blade runner, by the way, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and so, yeah, there's a panel myself and several other uh, Dick scholars Dick fans uh, these Dick are Dick scholars Dick. And, and not just fans I mean his uh, his ex-wife Tess, uh, Tessa Dick is going to be there and um, some other people that do like there's a there's a podcast called the Dickheads podcast uh, one of the guys from that podcast is going to be there that's
1: pretty much on the nose
2: yeah so uh, yeah anyway that's kind of I'm excited about that it's really cool for me to think about there's going to be a book about uh, containing Philip K. Dick's writings with a forward by Keith Giles that's it's it's a fantasy. Well, if you
1: if you find a publisher to publish it, I mean, you're yeah. A little I'm, I'm looking around. I think here.
2: I've narrowed it down. I'm, I think I may have found a publisher who's willing to do this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, good luck with that. No, that yes, sounds cool, it man. That's a, that, that's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, so all right, you got all your announcements out of the way. I think so. Okay. Well, I have yet again a beautiful, tremendous sponsor
2: here we go do you like freedom are you ready to try something new that will help you escape that constant feeling of fear anxiety or existential dread ask your doctor if deconstruction is right for you studies show that 99 percent of those who try deconstruction experience more freedom less stress and greater peace of mind Some even report feeling more love and acceptance of others, less guilt and shame, and an intense feeling of self-acceptance. Side effects include sleeping late on Sunday mornings, occasional irritation near places of worship, and a loss of contempt for people of different faiths, nationalities, or sexual orientation. Remember, deconstruction is always free and available anywhere you are. Try deconstruction today and wake up to the joys of life without fear, shame, and guilt. Deconstruction. Because it's better outside the church than inside, and your life is too short to waste another second enslaved to a system of theology that tries to convince you that you're a worthless worm who doesn't deserve love, joy, or peace of mind. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I've tried that product yeah. by the way, and it's amazing. It's so good.
1: There's there's more side effects though. <laughs> I don't I don't feel like they listed all of them. It was I a short clip. Print. Yeah, you
2: know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we can do a longer version it gives more side effects. What, what what would you say? What are some more side effects?
1: I don't know. What are the ones you listed? Uh, um, yeah, cr- cringing at, at at places of worship is definitely one of them. Yeah,
2: I said I said um, minor irritation around places of worship.
1: Yeah, minor irritation. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife has um, experienced more than minor irritation. Uh-huh. Definitely some redness and itching. Some severe. Some uh, severe. Some irritation. severe. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, definitely maybe loss some loss of family. Um, it's a pretty big pretty big uh, side effect, but, um, yeah, I don't know. No, that's a good one. It seems like one of those, uh, I can imagine it on YouTube with some stock images.
2: Yeah. We got to make that happen. People oh, sitting okay. on a
1: park bench yes. laughing in slow motion. We ducks. Yeah. We don't want to offend the conservatives. So we'll make it all white characters in our stock photo yeah, or our no, stock videos. Do
2: no, don't do that. <laughs> have it, have it inclusive. <clears throat>
1: I'm kidding people I'm kidding. We
2: need to, we need to own the conservatives.
1: Own the libs. All right, so um we are kind of uh piggybacking on talking about propaganda and your um your premise in in a recent podcast was is hell or teaching hell or the teaching of hell as eternal torment is it propaganda and then the follow up was if you're spreading that propaganda are you a propagandist and i would just off the cuff or is it off the cuff or off the cusp um off the cuff i would say that it doesn't really matter you're still com- complicit in it you're yes. still responsible for um that's why if we if we say something and we get proven wrong we should do a retraction because we didn't mean to do it wrong. We're not necessarily liars for doing it. We just didn't do our job well enough to to fact check it or to verify it. And so if we're spreading bullshit, whether we know it or not, yes, we should be responsible for that. We have some sort of responsibility in that.
2: Yeah. So it was really fascinating. Uh, so the, just to shout out, it, it, I think the episode doesn't release until September. So you know, I'm not really going to scoop them because we probably have a little bit different audiences. And, and the conversation I had was – um, with the host, uh, it's called the Fourth Way uh, Podcast, I'll just give him a little shout and um, Derek is the host, Cody Cook was uh, was the person I spoke to and it wasn't a debate at all, actually, it was, it was just a really good conversation Cody and, Cody and I are in different places when it comes to hell, he's an annihilationist, I'm universalist, um, but we still were able to have a really...
1: Motherfuckers still gotta get smote
2: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, um, but it was a really good conversation and um so yeah the you know the initial question was sort of like, well, what is propaganda and actually, we spent uh probably a week <clears throat> on like a Facebook messenger chat thing, mostly, it was those two guys. I didn't really jump in. I was trying to save it for the podcast, um but they were going back and forth about well, how do we define propaganda, what is propaganda um and it wasn't easy initially, I think initially, where we landed was something along the lines of like propaganda is. Um, these are statements, um, that are intended to manipulate and coerce people to certain kinds of behavior that benefit the person or persons or institutions, um, that are sort of creating those statements. And, and so there's a question of like whether or not, well, does it need to be a false statement? Um, or, or does the person need to know? Like, do they know what they're saying? Is it true? But they're saying it only so that they can benefit from it, and that's not necessarily true. Um, like, you know, we we brought up the example. You always have to bring up Hitler. Um, you know, oh, I was going to say we, Fox News. Well, but this this is why it's such a fascinating conversation, right? So, um, so in the case of Hitler, do we think he really didn't hate Jewish people? No, he probably really did and he probably really did believe the stuff he was saying about it. Now, it still turned into propaganda in the sense that um the 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 propagation of that propaganda, the the, the dissemination of that 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 rhetoric um caused people to uh, swear allegiance to him and to, and to allow him to do what he wanted to do. He gained power through that. Um so he so the main thing is that, you know, does does the person or institution that's creating the propaganda. Do they benefit in a way that is, has an element of manipulation, coercion, control, and fear is usually um, something in there too. Like we're afraid of immigrants, right? And so they're going to come and take your job and they're going to rape your children. And so they're, they're you know, you, you demonize them, but there's an element of fear there that, that allows people to like accept it and go, oh, well, we can't let that happen. So now we have to do whatever they want us to do.
1: Yeah, and I would say that there's, I'd say lies are involved and lies aren't involved. And what I mean by that is ultimately what Hitler said about the Jews are lies. Right. What Fox News says about liberals or Muslims or trans people are lies. Yes. However, they're not lies to some of the people who spread them. So I like you said, Hitler. Well, the I think really cert- do
2: it. Yeah. so. I
1: mean, in, in the case of Tucker Carlson, we know that he is playing a character. Yep. So he's a, he's one type of propagandist who doesn't believe the things he says, or doesn't feel the same way about Donald Trump as he as his character on Fox News believes, because what right. he says in texts doesn't match up. So it, he knows he's lying. Yes, but then but then there are some instances I would say on Fox News where they don't think they're lying or or giving misinformation because they themselves actually believe it, though ultimately what they are spreading are mistru- mistruths and lies.
2: Right. So it
1: is, it is weird. There are like different types of propagandists. And then the people who like take that information and then disseminate it out in their little circles, they really do believe this shit, but they're spreading propaganda. So they themselves are a type of propagandist, though they might not know it themselves.
2: Right. And you know, there's, we, we, I think we had an example of this, um, in real time over the last couple of years so you know, going through COVID, right? Um, initially, Trump was the source of a lot of misinformation around COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then once the vaccine got developed, he was like, because he saw that as his as like, look at me, I did it, I got the vaccine in record time. Everybody take it. Well, by the time that vaccine came around, um, you know the the propaganda was don't take it it's going to put a chip in you and they're going to they're going to change your DNA and they're going to rewrite your Which genome. was really <laughs>
1: ironic because it's all the same people who supported the guy who claimed to to make Yes and
2: what's funny do you know, if you remember this but there was a there was a show like a live event with Bill O'Reilly and Trump and Bill O'Reilly and Trump on stage were both saying to the Trump audience um you know I got mine you got to get your and they were booing And so what you saw was like the people um, like the person, the person who had, who had started the propaganda wave didn't go with them. Like he, they, they, they developed farther than he intended so that now when he's telling them, Oh no, the vaccine is good. You should get it. It'll help you. And we should, it's a victory lap for, for Republicans. Those same Republicans are booing him. And they're like, he's wrong. And I know people, here's the thing. I know people, I have family members who are pro Trump, but when it they are so confused about why Trump is on the side of Fauci, mm-hmm. what what could have happened? Like so now they think that Trump has fallen under some kind of propaganda, mm-hmm. and and they're the ones that see the truth and he's deceived. It's really bizarre because but so I mean so sometimes that propaganda can get out of hand, <laughs> and now you're and now you're on the other side of it.
1: I I, th- I think some of these movements can and, and like, I I think Trumpism has grown past Trump. Yeah. And and so if if Trump goes away, the Trumpists will still be there.
2: Yeah. Because he's given a playbook. He has shown, um, he's shown conservative Republicans just follow my lead, do what I did, say what I say, say the craziest, stupid, most hateful, you know, misogynistic, um, you know, uh, uh I can't think of the word it's too early in the morning anyway but just you, know, you just you can behave this way and talk this way and swagger this way um and people will love you for it and they'll they'll see that as strength not as stupidity or ignorance um you know like when you you know if you're coming up to an election before the election claim that there's some kind of shenanigans and there's something going on and if i lose uh, it's it's uh it's a conspiracy so that when you lose you can say, well, see, I told you, see, I lost. And so therefore that proves I was right. There is, it wasn't a fair election. All right. What's her name? Carrie Lake. Is that her name? Carrie
1: Lake. Yeah.
2: She did it. She followed the playbook exactly. And mm-hmm. again, even though she lost, she's gone to court. And there are people that still say, no, she won. Um. So it's like, yep, yep. Here's how you do it, everybody. And so now we don't need Trump specifically anymore. We just need people who are gonna follow his his lead in his playbook. DeSantis is doing the same thing. Um so you can just follow the follow the the blueprint and Trumpism will continue.
1: Yeah, it's really um it's really a nice system they have set up. And this is what propaganda does. It paints every situation in your favor. So if you, lose to, if you lose, it was rigged. If you win, See, it was the a people ground, spoke. It was a groundswell. It was boots on the ground. It was populist movement. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. like every, um, I mean, it's the opposite of like science and, and exploration and philosophy and all that, right? We're always looking towards, well, well, we're starting with our experience and then we're looking at the data and we're looking at our experiences and we're doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, that gets to the truth, right? No matter what the truth is, no matter how uncomfortable it is for us to accept it. Sometimes we have to accept hard truths. Sometimes we have to learn hard lessons. But in this way, this propagandist way, you never have to repent. You never have to change your way of thinking. You never have to think you're wrong. You never have to have egg on your face or admit defeat. You can always double down because the propaganda has been set up in such a way where you always win, even when you lose. Because when you lose, you get to then have a a, a demon out there or a scapegoat or someone else to point the finger at. You always get that thing that feeds your own correctness.
2: Yes. Yeah. And so that's why I think this conversation about propaganda is so helpful because if if hopefully, if people can just have a conversation about, you know, in general, let's just take a step back. There's this thing called propaganda and here's how it works. First of all, and it does work. And we talked about in the last episode. Um, there's an overlap with sort of, uh, with like hypnotism, um, or marketing, right. Uh, advertising, like there are, there are, there are similar things that people do in sales and in marketing, um, that are, that kind of f- fall in line with this idea of propaganda where I have to first convince you of something that it's true. And then if you, then now if I've convinced you that this is true, then, Oh, look at, here's the solution. I, I happen to have the answer right here. And, um, and so that, so if people can take a step back and just have their eyes open for a second, people are, be skeptical, in other words, right? Be skeptical, even from people within your own circles, that yes, they vote the way you do, and yes, they look like you in the mirror, and yes, they talk like you and think like you. But that doesn't mean you can trust them, that they might be, um, they may look like they're on your side, but in a way, what they're doing is they're selling you something. They're they're trying to convince you of something that benefits them in a, in a significant way. It gives them more power, it gives them more popularity, it gives them more money, or all of the above. And this can happen again. It happens on the business world and marketing and advertising. It happens in the theological world with with uh charlatans on television, you know, or even pastors in the pulpit that just are telling you bullshit because that fear keeps you coming back, right? I'm gonna oh, well, if you don't keep coming to church, you're gonna go to hell. Um, or or in politics, same kind of thing. So uh, it's always and and uh, like on the religious side, um, like I've talked to people in the square one group about this, like that the three main things that I see religion, religion does to maintain power uh, and control over people is fear, shame, and guilt, fear, shame, and guilt. And if you just can have your radar open, you have your, have your, uh, you know, your eyes open and your radar uh, coded for fear, shame, and guilt, you can start to see it, right? Like when you deconstruct, when you start questioning some of your faith, how do your friends respond? (gasps) Oh, that's dangerous. I'll pray for you. You know, the the devil's got you, you know, you're being deceived. So again, there's that fear, right? Or uh, you're not, you're not, you weren't really a Christian. So now there's some, there's some shame or guilt in there, right? You didn't really love God. So all all of the language that comes back to you, all, all the warnings, all the, everything that's trying to stop you from doing this is the only hooks they have, the only power they have over you, are fear and shame and guilt. If you take those things away, they have nothing. And now, specifically, hell is one of those things. I think it's actually very appropriate to to ask the question: um, Does the church use the doctrine of eternal conscious torment as a uh, propaganda message that's all about fear? Um, it's 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 a fear based, you know, doctrine. And, uh, and and does it benefit the church? Well, absolutely, yes. It checks all those boxes. Um, and what, one of the things I found was um, there. I have a quote in the book I wrote, Jesus Undefeated, and it was really disappointing to me because um, I found two examples of early church fathers, Basil the Great and John Chrysostom, and there were two quotes, one from one from each of them, where they both were quoted as saying that they saw. I think John Chrysostom called it the benefits of preaching fear because by preaching fear he believed it produced um a more serious christian um who would who would you know basically follow follow along and do the right things behave in a virtuous way if they believed that if they didn't they would burn in hell now he didn't personally believe that but he saw the benefits of preaching such a thing um and basil the great was the same way he loved origen and origen was a universalist um but when it came to this issue he changed what he said because he saw the benefits of of talking this way, so we can take this back to this is like what third fourth century um, we have basically early church fathers on record admitting yeah it really it's it's uh it's advantageous to to speak with this you know to talk about a this fear based version of the afterlife because there's a benefit to it, so let's do it.
1: I'm curious, since you had this discussion with an, an annihilationist, aren't we quibbling about annihilation and eternal torment? Yes. I mean, I mean, there's still fear there. There's still wrath. Destruction. There's, there's still yeah, destruction. destruction. Yeah. There's still the ending of a soul or a spirit or a human life, not just their bodily life, but them snuffed out a hundred percent. Yeah. And don't, I mean yes it's nicer than eternal torment for sure yeah but and i have brought this up to people and they never give me a great answer what about the people left yeah because like if you're gonna if you're gonna live on in per- perpetuity and the people you don't love are aren't are, the people you love aren't there
2: and you know it they're gone forever. you know
1: it see that's the thing about well the same thing i mean if someone dies now and you just die you're not but i'm also if i if, if annihilation is true we better all be annihilated because we all right. love someone who's not going to be there right so that's my thing it's like there better be a universalism of sorts right because who wants to live eternally for all time yeah from now until forever
2: knowing that that person is for forever, per-
1: forever gone yeah. I'd rather be, I'd just be like, no, I'm done. Like, can I just, can I also can I check out,
2: please? take yes. that,
1: whatever pill that is, the yes. high dose of morphine, yeah. down it with some Jack Daniels. I mean, I'm yeah, good at I that Yeah, I agree.
2: Point. And see, this is, uh, I, for a brief time. So when I, uh, when I, when I deconstructed eternal conscious torment, probably for about a year and a half, I was an annihilationist. And I think, again, it's, uh, I, I saw it as a transitional step. It was like I couldn't go full universalism. That still just felt
1: no not one goes right full universalism.
2: Yeah, never wanted to go for full universalism. <laughs> um it just didn't feel right to me, you know, and I was still holding on to some of those ideas that I got from the idea of well, there needs to be justice and God's God's a god of wrath and God has to punish and like so I was yeah. still holding on to some of that. And that's why Annihilation was like a little, you know, uh safe mid midpoint. Okay, God's not a total monster. He's not going to torture people for eternity. I reject that. And the reasons for rejecting that are, you know, specific verses that you realize are not about that at all. Okay, great. Um, But there, there, you still feel the, the the feeling like, well, but, but it just wouldn't be right if God just like forgave everybody. Right. So, um, but I think my reasons for rejecting it were kind of what you're saying was that I started realizing like, well, I just don't think, I don't think God's character is this wrathful God. So there, is, I I don't think that this this is not a correct way of thinking about who God is. I get that people used to think that. And again, they were this very this kind of like a volcano God that's angry and needs the blood of a virgin to be appeased, you know, to abuse him, so he's not gonna. I won't destroy you if well would would do some annihilate
1: would Cody or some annihilationist. I know you don't want to speak for him, but would they say that people annihilate themselves? So that's kind of like that's that's that's, that's the, that's the, the way, way people get, out of, get out of hell. That's the way people get out of oh, hell God too, right? Do oh, that. they they sent oh the gates are they locked from, from the inside. Then. They sent themselves. Yeah. yeah, that's but that I mean. So I, I'm guessing a nice annihilationist, just like an a nice infernalist, whatever you want yeah. to call people who believe in eternal torment, always get out that way so
2: yeah i guess I, I, so I don't, I don't um <clears throat> yeah but but you're that, that's a good point though you're right um i think i think i don't want to speak for cody we we kind of we kind of touched it a little bit but um
1: well i mean if you're going to make the case that teaching hell is propaganda you can make the case that teaching annihilation is propaganda it is
2: because there is it's like, like, like saying said,
1: well what one is a, one is a torturer and one is a killer
2: right so but but but, you know so we did we did talk about that and there but there was also the question of like well could universalist teaching qualify as propaganda
1: anyone can anyone can teach propaganda
2: right but But what what do you
1: what do you benefit out of saying that everyone's saved and everyone's reconciled what what do i benefit how can i hold that i can't hold i mean what what power am i going to hold over you
2: Right. I have no power over you because, like, look at the size of Universalist
1: is, churches. No one's there. That's right. And why so that is, is that? Because they ain't being scared to shitless into the pew.
2: Right. The, my friend, my friend Bill Thrasher, uh, is in, uh, Georgia. And I went, I did a thing with him a couple years ago. And we were, he, he picked me up from the airport and we were driving to his house and we, we were passing some churches. He's like, oh, I used to, I used to preach at that church. And, um, and then the pastors there, the main pastors there, started preaching like a, a like a hyper grace, like we're all loved, we're all forgiven, you know, universalist kind of message, and it was awesome. And then the whole thing folded because once people realized, oh, I don't have to keep coming back here all the time to-, to go to heaven, like God just loves me and I'm saved, the the church fell apart. Right? I can you jump off the hamster a, wheel. <laughs> you can't grow a church. So I I say this all the time. Like if you really just look at the things that Jesus said. If you only had the words of Jesus, like there was never a Paul, it was just Jesus. And you could only base it on Jesus. I think it's really difficult to build a religion around a guy who just forgives people all the time and, you know, God loves, for God so loved the world and all that. Like, um, why do I, what's the religion? Like, there's nothing to hold me, to keep me. Again, this is why I'm convinced that so much of evangelical Christianity, not just because of eternal conscious torment, that's just part of it. There's also the worm theology, the penal substitution. You know, you're a wretch, you're a worm. Um, You know, they've twisted the message around now where instead of behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, it's behold the Lamb of God who will forever remind you that you're a worthless sinner until the day you die. Um, And so, you know what I mean? I just, I think if you just really follow Jesus, you can't grow a religion this way. So yeah, I think preaching universalism there's only really no benefit to the person. I mean, you could say, and people do say this. Oh, Keith, you're only preaching this because you're trying to sell a book. You're trying to get more followers. Okay, yeah, I have a book on it. Yes, I'd like people to read the book. But the truth is, you, you have, propaganda is creating a message that gets people to, um, you know, to follow that person, to follow that ideology, and for the benefit of the person saying it, right? And it doesn't check the boxes. Universalism. I might, I might convince people that I'm right about universalism, but I have no control over those people. There's no, there's no hook, right? I need fear and shame and guilt. I need something to hold over them. And, and I don't have that with universalism because you're all loved and forgiven. It doesn't matter what I do or say, what you do or say.
1: Yeah. It's silly and it, and it lacks nuance to say that because you're trying to sell a book and make money that you're also, pro. I mean, to suggest, I mean, so if someone was to accuse the universalist who has a book who's just trying to do, who's trying to sell that, then go into a restaurant and be like, oh, you're just trying to sell this burger to make you're money. You're
2: just trying to sell me food. Yeah.
1: You're going to the grocery store. Oh, you just want, you just want to make money doing all this. I'm not going to do any of that. Okay. Then go out in the fucking wilderness and never talk to anyone ever who's trying to, I mean, let's be consistent. We, we always get attacked as like creatives that we're, yes, no one goes into a restaurant and asks for free sandwich.
2: Oh yeah, no that, one says to a plumber, "You're only fixing my pipes because you want yeah. you want money." Yeah. I can't
1: tell you how many times I've been like, "Hey, can you send me that book?" Right. Send you the book? Oh
2: no, people! The, the yes. one I
1: spent thousands of hours and yeah. money. The and one I the one producing. that I sell
2: to pay my bills and feed my family. Yeah.
1: Right, to keep my lights on and shit. Yeah. Okay. You want me to sell? Oh, send it overseas. <laughs> so to you want you? me oh, to? And I'm I have to for buy it from, from
2: my store? publisher. Then I right. have to go to the mailbox and go to the post yeah, office and pay the postage. And so I'm going to spend all this money and time and energy to give you my free book, yeah
1: yeah, people stuck in this propaganda world they just lack nuance. it's everything is black and white. That's what propaganda relies on and and going yeah. back to universalism, there's not really a lot of black and white in universalism. there's some no. univers- there's a lot of universalists who are pluralists there are a lot there are a lot of universalists who are completely Christians yes and 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 but there's so much nuance within that stuff there doesn't see i mean there's not a lot of nuance in like eternal torment either you send that you send yourself there because you're a piece of shit or god sends you there because you're a piece of shit but really you're a piece of shit either way bottom line you're a piece of shit (laughs) yeah so it's like okay well yeah that lacks a lot of nuance doesn't it um and, and so but we've gotten to a place and maybe we've always been this way as human beings lacking critical thinking yes i mean Look at through all throughout all of history, we've lacked a lot of. It seems like the people who are doing the most critical thinking and thinking most outside the box are always on the fringes of society,
2: right? Exactly.
1: Universalists included. If universalism is propaganda, it's a shitty one because it ain't. <laughs> it, it didn't start the Middle Ages like something like hell did,
2: right? And where it's where, not where you can dominant view, right? It's not. No, the, it's not right. the dominant view.
1: And look what happened when it was. It goes away because. Yeah. I mean, even I think it was Aquinas who said something like, um, they were like trying to argue. If it's not Aquinas, I'm sorry, Thomas. Um, if, <laughs> he's trying to argue justification for burning people at the stake. Right. Because heretics murder the soul. We're only murdering the body. They murder the soul. So you really can't have all the burning at the stake shit without something like hell. Name me something universalism can do similar.
2: Right. What's the, what's the, I mean, you're going to go to heaven. So we
1: might as well kill you now. No one's doing that though. (laughs) But,
2: but someone that believes in eternal conscious torment, they do say, well, because they do the ones that genuinely believe that it is the gospel, right? It is true. Then for you to preach universalism, you are a danger because you are sending people to that horrible place by, by lying to them. So we can kill you
1: to save souls well yeah well no that's that was the justification they are right. leading people heretical people are leading people to hell so we have to kill them to stop that and prevent oh, that no, no. and that yeah, is that, exactly, that is yeah. a virtue yeah. yeah that's what they argued
2: yeah but but if you believe eternal conscious torment is true then you would look at someone who's universalist as a dangerous thing right a dangerous right. person a dangerous yes. message and you or even
1: annihilationist can look at that because it's not good to be annihilated either
2: right but, we could but that would be propaganda to, to the person who's a, who's a, an infernalist, right? Yeah. Someone preaching universalism—that that's propaganda. That's not true. That's that's a false message, and they're just trying to pull you away from from God, from salvation, to their side.
1: Uh, again, again, to what end, though? Uh, with yeah. what power can we hold over them now at this point? Yeah, God loves you. That's not a power <laughs> move,
2: right? Exactly. Yeah, but no, no, I, I totally agree with you, but it's like, you know, it's a perspective issue. It's like it's it, a perspective it, you, issue. As long as you yes. believe the propaganda, then you, you will see you will see people who think differently than you, uh, through that lens. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, this propaganda thing, and again, it it it's definitely something that I've noticed more and more in um in religious circles. I think again, because you once you it's, you have to leave it to notice it, you know. Uh we talked about this too, that um Like I, I couldn't think critically about the verses that I, when I believed in eternal conscious torment, and I did for the longest time, um, I had my verses that I believed taught it, right? No one talks about hell more than Jesus, right? And here you go. Here's the verses where he says these things. But I never, I was never, I even, I didn't think I needed to. That's part of it. I just thought, well, it's just face value. It's true. Look at it right there. the, The verses right there. And so yeah. I didn't think I needed to study this. I didn't like, I didn't even look into it. It's like, what is it really saying? Well, because I know, I thought I knew what it said. It wasn't until I changed my mind about it and it kind of moved, moved over to annihilation. Well, and then suddenly I was interested and willing to go and look at those verses now and, and look at them. And then, then I could see, oh, that's not at all what Jesus is saying. That's not what he's talking about at all. But when you're in it, you, you're you unwilling to do that. Right? Maybe even unable to do that.
1: But when you change from one to another, then you realize also how you could change again because I've been wrong before
2: that's right that is what happens
1: that, and that's super helpful because I mean it can also unravel and then you have no faith, which is probably a good thing for a lot of people too I mean yes,
2: that could also be but, a good
1: thing but you, you once you realize oh i I was wrong about this and now I believe this, so I guess I could be wrong about this right what is the you were you've given this quote before and it's probably not i don't think it's something you came up with it's um, I think you were quoting someone it's like no matter what you believe you always believe you're right
2: yeah no matter how many times my mind my worldview changes I'm always right yeah. by the way that I'm quote a, yeah. is from Joshua Lawson who has a brand new book oh. also Drugs and Jesus just came out great book go pick it up
1: I didn't know it was him okay that yeah him. shout out shout yeah, out to Joshua but, but Lawson and and congrats on, on hitting number one uh, yes on that book so
2: yes he, he did he did a great job
1: if you're into drugs and you're into Jesus pick up that book no it's not that <laughs> It's no, about he did, harm he's reduction. he's done some really great shit.
2: work uh, on the ground. I mean, t- the thing about people don't know this about Josh is that he's on the ground where he lives, uh, doing a lot of great work, uh, helping people recover from addictions and how trying to help churches specifically mobilize to help people you know, who are struggling with addictions. Because we had this whole opioid crisis that kind of went through the uh, the Midwest and the you know the the white Bible Belt part of the, the country, and suddenly suddenly this is a addiction is a problem. Uh, but, uh, well, no, he's kind of the epicenter
1: of a lot of, um, I remember watching some documentaries on, on, uh, what do they even call it? They called it like the, um, Oxycontin express was like a flight from Ohio to Florida. That's right. That's right. You could fly down to Florida, pick up a shit ton of pills. Yeah. Flying back and then sell them on the streets.
2: That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. A little segue there. A little, a little plug for Josh's book. But anyway, Josh is the guy who said that, uh, that no matter how many times my worldview changes, I'm always right. Um, and so, yeah. So I think this is the only reason why I was able to move to universalism within a year and a half, because my belief in annihilation was brand new. I had just shifted to that view, right? It was brand new in my mind. And so now I wasn't even sure. I, I thought it was true again, because of a couple of verses, but I was yeah. willing. I was my, my mind, my brain had shifted to being suddenly critical of my beliefs in this area. Suddenly, I could be critical of the, my my original belief, and then I was able because the cement wasn't dry yet of uh, my annihilationism, I was able to then apply that same scrutiny to those beliefs, Like, okay, well, I believe this now, I only just started believing this new thing um and i and I realized I was wrong about these other things, so but is this really true, or my is this the right thing and I did a little testing on that like i I interviewed some people some friends of mine who were, <clears throat> excuse me, who were annihilationist. Mm-hmm. And I started asking them questions about stuff and they started giving me their reasons, but I was still in the mode of like, I think I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And then that's, it took me a while. Then, then I was able to like, I think I read, uh, Brad Jerzak's gates whenever we shut. That was super helpful.
1: That, uh, that propaganda piece.
2: Yeah. That propaganda book. Um, so yeah, you know, but it's really important. I think the the, the point we're trying to make is, it's that being being able to st- take a step back and be a little critical of, of your assumptions, right? I, this is something I do say all the time, which is, you know, um, we need to, uh, what's what it, my, my phrase is, I tell people this when they go through square one, um, I said, in all of your deconstructing, deconstruct your need to be right about everything. And if you can maintain that level, it's like a healthy level of of skepticism. And embrace some uncertainty and mystery about when it comes to God and theology. That should give you the ability to question, literally question everything. To not feel like, well, I can't go there. I can't question that. Or to say, oh, I don't need to question that because I've got, I already, I know that. I've got that figured out. To say, well, maybe you don't. Uh, Here's the thing I noticed too, by the way. This is, this is, I see a problem. This is just maybe a modern problem. I don't know, but I definitely see it nowadays. Maybe because we have Google. Um, when people are in that place of trying to make up their mind about something, they'll do a Google search, maybe spend an hour, watch a couple of YouTube clips, and now, oh, okay, that's it. I I found the answer, and then they're done, and they stop thinking and they stop questioning. Like people are too quick to pull the trigger on. I got, I got it, I figured it and out. I,
1: and I think you're propagandizing yourself. Yes, one, because the <laughs> algorithm. I don't think Google's out- propagandizing you, and I don't think YouTube is. But the algorithms are set up for you to see what you want to see. That's it's, exactly it's, right. It's they want to there serve to confirm you your biases. And that's yeah. why I told my daughter recently, get your own damn YouTube account. Because <laughs> the algorithm is sending me videos that I do. Like it's these fucking, you know, things teenagers are watching. And what? I'm like, my, my YouTube is fucked now. It's is all it K-pop.
2: The, is it like K-pop stuff?
1: No, it's like it's like uh, SSS Sniper something. She's got like ten billion followers. It's all reaction videos or okay. sh- shit. You know, it's it's yeah. shit like that. Yeah, and I'm just Ariana.
2: What did Ariana Grande say? I can't believe it.
1: I my <laughs> I, I just noticed it yesterday. I was like, I was looking for a. I was going to finish a video, and I was looking through my history, and I was like, Where is that video? And my daughter, what she does is she falls asleep sometimes to the YouTube on.
2: Oh, and I just keeps playing the,
1: over and over. <laughs> it was like it was like ten hours worth of videos. I was like, where the fuck? I was like, all right, you gotta get your own YouTube. Channel. Yeah, big But team. they're not but they're just recommending what you so if you already Yes. Like let's say QAnon. If you already yes. are down in that down in that <laughs> world, what do you think your sidebar is gonna be when you're of on course. YouTube? Or what do you what do you think when you look that up? It's yeah. just gonna it's gonna feed your biases. So you can't you, you got to be really careful on how I did my own research. No, no how, no, how no. did, what's the methodology behind your research? Are you yeah. trying? Because when I do research, I'm trying to, pr- when I, case in point, perfect example. When I heard about universalism, I tried to disprove it.
2: That, there you go. See, that's the, because that's it had the way that we should h-
1: approach it. It had to hold up to scrutiny because yeah. I'm a scrutinous person. Like, I'm going to scrutinize the shit out of something. That's yeah. why I no longer go to church. <laughs> 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 yeah, scrutinized it too hard, didn't hold up. Yeah. Universalism seemed to hold up. Yeah. Be- but I because I looked at it from every angle. So no matter like if I'm going to debate, let's say someone wanted to debate me on universalism. Yeah, this isn't arrogance. This is just my process. I know every argument against it because I right. had to for myself. Yep. And I might not remember the verses here and the where I read stuff there because it's been so long and I don't care anymore. Yep. But if I went back to those, I'd be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember all this stuff. I re- I remember reading this. So I kn- I know every angle. Yep.
2: That's but that's right. how you
1: have to scrutinize everything you believe. So that you can confidently, and I don't want to say certainly, confidently, confidently. say, I affirm this.
2: That's right. Yeah. and I, But hold, also maintaining, holding loosely to say, like, I think I, I, I may have a really strong opinion that I, I really do think this is the right way, but hey, I'm open. If you got, what do you got? You got something I haven't heard before or something I didn't know about? I'll, give go, me read a, it. I'll go check give it
1: out. Give me a fantastic argument for eternal torment that I haven't heard before.
2: Yeah. I'd be like, well, damn.
1: Okay, and I guarantee. guarantee you I there's a part it. of me who is like that guy needs to go to hell forever. There's yeah. a part of me that still says that as a universalist I'm like yeah. that motherfucker is yeah. sick. Yeah. And you know we can think of all those people who might be. But yeah. do I really believe that? No. But again like I'm not but that's another good example of like I'm not being propagandized because universalism, you know what it does? it makes me admit that some point my dad and I are going to have to reconcile.
2: That's right.
1: And I'm going to have to come, he's going to have to come face to face with me as a deadbeat dad. And we're going to have to reconcile at some point because infinity is a long time. Yes. And, and trust me at this point in my life, I want nothing to do with that.
2: Right. You're not ready. So, now. It's,
1: yeah. so it's not like, Oh, I really want this to happen. So I'm going to affirm this doctrine. No, that piece of shit could go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like against my, my quote unquote, my egoic best interests. So, yeah. Is that a sign of propaganda? I don't think it is. No, exactly. I think it would be reverse. I believe in hell and that bitch can go there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I I, I think that this, this is the reason why like the whole algorithm thing and the, the search things is like um we we live in a world where the devices that we used to to educate ourselves are working against that. They're they're not trying to educate you. They they're trying cuz education again, I say this all the time, advertisers um, baby yeah education so if someone wants to educate you they're going to they're going to tell you all the different major views of that topic and they're not going to tell you which one is the right one they might tell you this is the one as a teacher i prefer this one but i want you to know like so this is this is why this is the way i try to talk about the, the doctrine of uh, of hell is to say to people by the way i want you to know this the christian church has always had three views from the beginning and their, their annihilation, eternal torment, and universalism. Um, the majority for about 400 years embraced universalism, and were sitting on the Council of Nicaea. You know, leading and and and, and but and people commingled together. You know, there were there were uh, infernalists, annihilationists, and universalists all. You know, on the council side by side, and they 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 could coexist. They didn't see this as a deal breaker. And so, you know, but those are the kind of things you need to know, and I want you to know that. And I could say now that I've told you that. I could say, now, I prefer, of the three views, I prefer universalism. And here's why. But that's education. Indoctrination tells you there's only one view. This is the right view. Here's why it's the right view. If anyone tells you anything else, they're lying to you. They're deceiving you. See, now that's propaganda. That's that's indoctrination. So are you
1: saying Mark Driscoll is a propagandist because yes. he said in Hellbound that going all the way back, universalism was deemed heretical?
2: That That is propaganda.
1: Truth Absolutely. says that it was the 6th century where it was deemed heretical. Originism was de- deemed heretical a little bit before, but it had nothing to do with universalism. It had to do with I think the preexistence of the souls and there was two other things.
2: Yeah. Um, so so when when when, uh, when um uh Alyssa Childers tells you that historic Christianity has always believed uh in penal substitutionary atonement, that's propaganda.
1: And here's and that here's the red true. flag. Here's the red flag. Historic Christianity.
2: Uh-huh. As we've
1: said on Heretic Happy Hour and Apostates yeah. Anonymous, we've said it in many, many places. Pluralize that. Yes. Christianities.
2: They're plural. Yes. They were from very, the jump.
1: Yeah. From the jump, there was disagreements on everything.
2: Yeah. But I mean, so when people say Orthodox Christianity or historic Christianity, a lot of times that's code for uh The Reformation, the 1500s, they're not talking about historic Christianity because that would go back to the first century.
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's got to be memes about that. I always laugh when I hear a Protestant talk about historic Christianity as if Martin Luther and Jesus walked hand in hand (laughs) along the Galilean Sea. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Or, Or more realistically, John Calvin.
2: Yeah, see, that's that's again that that's propaganda. To me, that is a major propaganda piece for evangelical Christianity. The idea that that the theology that they are preaching to you today is the theology that they got from the apostles. This is this is this is what I'm telling you right now is what Christians have believed going back to Peter, James, and you know, bullshit. It is not, and that they don't want you to know that there was this wide variety of of views on different things like. Uh, the second coming or the cross or the atonement or hell, or they they don't want you to know that. They want you to believe that what we believe here has been preserved by God from the beginning, protected, just like the Bible. Um, no, no errors. There's no mistakes, and no we errors. We
1: can trace it all the way. All yeah. oh, we can do straight
2: back to the mouth of Jesus. Yeah. To J- and Peter Paul and
1: James. Paul. James told Augustine, <laughs> who told... Luther and Zwingli and Calvin, yeah. and then Calvin told Paul Washer, and then <laughs> Paul Washer told us.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, so you know uh, I, that's why I think this is an important topic to talk about, right? I, I want people to be aware that this kind of propaganda—it's in the church, it's in politics, it's in entertainment, it's in marketing and advertising.
0: And it's everywhere.
2: Ha- it's every- it really is everywhere, and the same way like that we talked about hypnotism in the last. Uh, episode, you know, there are these techniques that people use. It's
1: not in this episode. Sorry. I said, except in this episode, it's not in this episode.
2: Right. It's hopefully not in this episode. Um, you know, that, that, there are these things that people do and because they want to manipulate you, coerce you, control you, they, they have an outcome. They want you, uh, to do something, um, or to think something, to believe something, to support something. Um, and it's everywhere. It really is. So Mm -hmm. I I just, you know, I want to encourage people to be a little skeptical, even about the things you think you believe right now. Um, Like I said, deconstruct your need to be right about everything. Admit that you could be wrong, uh, that you've been wrong before. So again, that's my response to Joshua's statement, right? Uh, No matter how many times my worldview changes, I'm always right. So the flip side of that is I was wrong before. I'm probably wrong Mm -hmm. about something now. And I guarantee you I'm going to be wrong tomorrow. So if I can accept that, and realize that it's not about being right about everything. That you yeah, probably are wrong about something. You've been wrong before. And it's,
1: it's so liberating. I mean, uh, I, I've said it. Yeah. I've said it a hundred times before. I look back at my first book, and I'm glad I wouldn't write that book again. Yes, I don't. Have, me I, too. And it's not. It's not that I disagree with everything. I don't agree with everything though. And that's a sign that someone is trustworthy. I think. I mean, I think I'm a trustworthy person. That when someone can say like, I published a book that went out into the public that I say, eh, <laughs> I don't agree with all of that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Then that's like okay, that person. But there's so many people who have built their entire foundation. Could you imagine all the things that I mean? If Mark Driscoll changed and was LGBT affirming and not a misogynist anymore and didn't view vaginas as penis homes and <laughs> affirmed universalism or something, his entire platform is yes. gone. He has to start from scratch. That's scary as right. shit.
2: That's right, and that's why I respect <clears throat> those leaders that have made those those shifts and changes. Like um.
1: Like Rob Bell lost everything. He's bigger than now. Well, good on him.
2: Good for him. He should. Yeah, but, but there was a period of time where he was not on top. He was. He nope. had lost freaking everything. Yep. Uh, another another example would be someone like An- Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. um, where you know he's the son of Charles Stanley, and he's he's the pastor of a megachurch, and lately he's been preaching some pretty, you know radical. Hasn't
1: Beth Moore been doing that kind of stuff too?
2: Beth Moore as well. She ended up leaving the Southern Baptist uh, Church because she yeah. stood by her convictions and was willing to say I was wrong about something or I'm changing my mind about something or I'm taking a stand for something. And so when they, when, when I see people who have a lot to lose um, mm-hmm. willing to stand up and say either I was wrong or I changed my mind or hey, this isn't right. You know, uh, I'm going to just say this and I, I know I'm going to lose people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have respect I- for that.
1: I got respect for him and good on you and there's someone I can trust even if I don't agree with you.
2: That's right. If you yeah, can put I mean, yourself
1: could, out there at your own potential demise, then yes. good, then, then I can trust you.
2: So, I, But I want to say though, having said that, I've seen people like, what's his name? Greg Locke, who's like one of the most extreme psychopaths.
1: There's <laughs> demons here and he knocked Because
2: he'll he use that Michael. phrase. He'll say, I'm not afraid to say this, but then he'll say something that everybody cheers. So like, he acts as if this is more propaganda. If you oh, yeah, say yeah. that, if you play that card and you you play that role, like I don't care what people think, I don't care if they cancel me on Twitter, I don't care if you know they, they don't buy my books anymore. I'm gonna say what I've been saying the whole freaking time. Like you've not yeah, changed your yeah. mind about anything. You're not you're not in danger of losing followers because. The people no. the people who would not agree with what you're about to say don't listen to you anyway. they exactly. already don't listen to you, so you're not losing anything yeah. when you say that,
1: yeah, you're using it as a prop
2: yes it's it's a yes, and but everybody cheers like, look at him, he's not afraid, afraid of what what afraid was there what? somebody here who
1: who yeah. who disagreed with that, like yeah. come on, yeah. Exactly. But if he turned around and said anything that is quote unquote woke, his whole congregation would leave.
2: That would be game over. That would be
1: the real that would be the real test on if you can say some shit. Say some shit that would be deemed as liberal or namby pamby.
2: Yeah, if he stood up and said, You know, guys, I just want you know I was wrong. Um,
1: Yeah. Actually gay people, God loves them. Gay people,
2: God loves them. They'd uh, ghost
1: his ass (laughs) ton today.
2: (laughs) They would yeah, they would probably just Attack he would get he would
1: get canceled by his congregation Big 1000%. Time. 1000%. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, we are <clears throat> we are approaching the hour mark. Yeah. Uh any last thoughts? Um excited about what we got going on in the next couple of weeks? Excited about um hopefully this uh this little this little deal with Pathos here for the yeah. uh the Choircast network. Hopefully a lot more people will be popping onto this show and listening to it and all the, all the, um, all the choir cast shows. So,
2: um, I hope so. Yeah. And so listen, those of you listening to us right now, you're the true believers. You're the ones who like that really the cool remnant. band.
1: You're the you remnant. like that really
2: cool band that no one's heard of yet. And then because yeah. when, when when this podcast blows up and everybody's listening to deposits anonymous, you can say, huge. I like them back when no one knew who they were.
1: No one even knew these motherfuckers. Back before they had their $100 million deal, I was yeah. there. I was there. The I real was... OGs are, are there when it was just me. That's right. None of this Keith Giles shit. Yeah, they, were, they remember me way, and microphone. way back yeah, Those then. are the real OGs. <laughs> like, I got the first band t-shirt. doesn't even fit anymore. That's right. But it's I keep hated. it in my... I keep it, though.
2: That's right. All right.
1: Well, thanks for listening. No matter when you hopped on, if it's, this is your first episode, if this is your 100th episode, if we've made it to 100, I don't even know. Thank you for listening. Go rate and review. Rate and review all the um, all the Choir Cast shows. And we'll see you in two weeks. If you listen to the Heritage Happy Hour, we'll see you in one week. All right. See you over there. Much love. Bye. Take care,